Well, let's get it going. Amber, tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, of course. So um, personally, I am wife and uh, mother to two little girls. Um, professionally, today I am the uh, director of talent acquisition at Salesloft, uh, based out of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and I've been at Salesloft now for the last three and a half years. That's awesome. And when, when you started at Salesloft, what role did you start in? Yeah, so I actually came into Salesloft and intentionally when I came to Salesloft, wanted to go back to um, an IC recruiter as I was making the transition from my previous company. Um, so I joined Salesloft as a senior recruiter supporting, I think when I came in, I was supporting um, marketing, revenue operations, finance, all of those things. And then it's uh, quickly morphed in as we I joined January 2020, which was an interesting time. Um, by uh, July of 2020, I was supporting essentially anything that was not tech-related at Salesoft. Got it. So, like, go-to-market teams then? Yes, yes. Cool. And for those that don't know, can you tell us a little bit about Salesloft as well? Yeah, of course. So Salesloft is the number one sales engagement platform. Um, and in simpler terms, we are essentially the workflow, workflow solution for uh, all revenue functions. So anything from sales development to AEs, sales leadership, RevOps, CSMs, AMs, it doesn't really stop, but we're the platform that sort of powers their day-to-day -day activities that they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very familiar with the category. It's definitely one that has blown up over the last, you know, call it five to 10 years or so. I've seen Kyle speak at a few Saster conferences, so I feel like I've followed the sales loft trajectory um, over the years. And it seems like, you know, your category is really where most reps are working on a day-to-day -day basis so everybody you know seems to have a crm like a salesforce or a hubspot or something like that mm -hmm. but seemingly your category is what sits on top of those platforms and where reps manage as you said their day-to-day -day workflows yeah exactly i mean we've all heard it before right like uh reps don't like to work in their crm and they're typically not the best at documenting and working and that impacts sort of downstream so certainly i think most reps would prefer to be working in sales loft um, day to day than than having to kind of uh, work in their main CRM. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And tell me about the talent acquisition team in particular. How many people? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so today we obviously like a lot of businesses out there have uh, kind of shifted over the last three years of um, how we support our business. So uh, today uh, we have six total recruiters at varying levels um, we support global uh, global operations so uh, not only here in the u.s but also a development center in guadalajara mexico a go-to-market uh, amia headquarters in london so uh, our team right now is kind of primarily split between we've got three recruiters who focus go-to-market gna three recruiters who are focused on uh, product and technology but obviously uh, over the last you know, six months, we've really taken the approach of making sure that everyone kind of acts as a utility player when needed. Um, sure. So we've seen a lot of success, surprisingly, and uh, with our tech recruiters migrating over and supporting sales and kind of putting a new lens or perspective on our process there. So I think it's been overall a good experience for everyone, but that's how we're set up today. Got it. So is that more on the lines of like just trying to be more efficient and then as a result being less rigid about you only work with these types of roles 
Um, so you can kind of cross paths and depending on what the business needs at the time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think uh, capacity planning has definitely gotten a little bit more difficult this year. Uh, we are primarily focused on uh, sort of maintaining headcount. So mm-hmm. when you get in that position, it's a lot, it's a bit harder to um, anticipate like what's coming next. And so we could have a month where we're really heavy on the go-to-market side. We could have another month where we're really heavy on the product side. So uh, giving them the oppor- opportunity to sort of cross-pollinate our, and work on each other's jobs Um partly by design to make sure that everyone can do a little bit of everything, but also, again, I think a result of it has been a fresh lens or a fresh pair of eyes on on processes that we've been running for longer. Yeah, which is a great intangible, you know, other than just being able to scale up resources in a particular area if you need it at that moment in time. How big is the company now from a employee standpoint? Yeah, so uh, we're somewhere between eight and 900. Obviously, um, it's hard to keep track. Uh, We had a really big week last week where we had 12 offers accepted. And so, um, which this year is a lot for us. Uh, In previous years, it would have been just another week. So uh, I think we're somewhere between eight and 900 today. And how big were you guys when you started? We were right around 400. Uh, when I started, okay. and again, January 2020 was when I started. So there's been a lot of growth and fluctuation <laughs> over the last three and a half years, for sure. Could you have imagined that you would be in a position where the company's doubled or more than doubled? You're working on multiple international offices, you know, like where you guys are at now? Probably not, right? Well, I, I think it's split. You know, when I joined SalesLoft, it was a very intentional move. I knew that this was a really special company, um, and I knew that the solution that we were offering was one that kind of didn't have limits as to how far we could grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if I really put myself back into the shoes of what I saw myself doing a year, two years, three years down the line, and kind of how that would uh, impact our company's growth, I probably wouldn't have said like this is where I'll be three years yeah. from now for sure. Yeah, that's awesome though. Are you guys using the platform at all in your own recruiting efforts? We have dabbled in it. Um, you know, it. I I wish we could use it a little bit more. I think it's a balance again of capacity. What is like the business critical things that we need to deliver on, and then how are we sort of reserving time. Um, because I get jealous when I talk to salespeople that have this one tool that kind of does everything for them. And then I look at our tech stack and while we, you know, there's wonderful tools out there for recruiters today and, um, but it's a little piecemeal still. And so I know I've got, you know, our recruiters have four different tools that they're working out of. And I'm like, we just need a sales law for recruiting. And so we've started, uh, we've had conversations with even like our product team of like, It would be really neat if the integration between SalesLoft and uh, ATS could be similar to. So uh, we used uh, cadences quite a bit going back to like 2021 early Mm -hmm. days where we were trying to like pick up the speed on um, candidate outreach and starting to build out some of those pipelines of talent. But um, we haven't been able to focus on it as much as I wish we could. Um, but it's certainly something that's top of mind for our team. Yeah, it's got a lot of potential just, you know, and what it has to offer from a candidate engagement standpoint. Yeah. But to your point, it's tough because it's not 
a platform for recruitment and therefore, you know, isn't integrated with all the ATSs of the world that you might need it to be integrated with. um, I think there's a lot, I will say though, I think there's quite a few, you know, quite a few customers on the agency side that, you know, that are using a CRM versus an ATS that are, that are able to take advantage of it. And so it's really reimagining how do we look at that internally? Um, Mm -hmm. that I think really opens up a lot, especially if it's an organization that's using it across their go-to-market team, right? It's, it, it becomes a little bit more natural. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think there's, to your point, like there's endless opportunities for the platform, um, not only in like the sales world, but also like we see investors using sales loft all the time Mm -hmm. in their outreach. Um, there's potential in recruitment. So there's like infinite possibilities of where you could go, but um, for now, it seems like the right move is to continue to focus on the yes. sales enablement space yes. because uh, there's a lot of growth still to be achieved um, achieved there. So, I'm this is interesting to me because you know you guys are selling a product um, that the people you're recruiting would use in their day to day. How does that factor into your hiring process? Like, are you getting a lot of people that just know of Sales Loft and want to work for you guys because they're familiar with the tool? Yeah, yeah, I think of course on the go-to-market side. Um, Of course on the go-to-market side, we see, uh, it's interesting, it's like this cross between, uh, we've been really fortunate as a talent team um, that our company marketing also applies to these ideal talent pools that we're, we're looking for in revenue. And so there's a lot of positives. Yes, we get a lot of people that either I've used it, I've used a competitor, my best friends used it, my company thought they were going to purchase it, but didn't, or my last company did. Um, so we do get a lot of people familiar with our platform, which is obviously extremely helpful when it comes to like onboarding a new employee. Um, but we do also see folks that, aren't as familiar, right, in some of those like support functions or on the product tech side. But um, I think to your point on we're hiring, um, you know, salespeople to sell a sales platform to other sellers, right? Like specifically if we're just talking the go-to-market side and and even more specifically account executives, um, it definitely impacts sort of like our ideal profile versus maybe what an ideal profile would look like at another company because you've got to be really passionate about sales um, because that's all you're going to be talking about all, all day, right? And yep. you have to really be a student of sales as well. Um, and even when we start to look at those uh, like product uh, engineering, they're yep. going to be interacting with sales, both internally a lot as they develop the product, but also externally as they're talking to customers. So there is this element of, Everyone's got to be rallied behind the mission of our company. Um, yep. And so it, it it does make recruiting fun, especially if you're someone who likes the go-to-market side of the business, yeah. um, which I do because I think recruiting very much sits uh, very similar to sales. So, Yeah, and I have to imagine that you guys have, like the candidates that are advancing through your pipeline and that, you know, the people that you end up hiring, they are extremely bought in to the mission of the organization because again they're on the go-to-market side specifically like they have Mm -hmm. to sell the product that they're going to be using so like they have to be all in on multiple levels because the company they're joining is going to impact their day-to-day workflow and the stuff Mm -hmm. they're doing and the tools they're using Um, they also have to sell that to customers um 
So I imagine you have like really, you know, high buy-in from those candidates and the people that you get to the end of the process are like super pumped about coming to SalesLoft. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think it's cool because we see it at all levels, right? Even for um, like entry, more entry level SDRs, right? This is their like sales degree by coming to SalesLoft and, and learning the tool and being front line of using it. But it's really neat when you get up into like the enterprise seller who's very experienced and um and and seeing how they now can use the tool and maybe they've been in an organization where it was an SDR tool but it's really not sure. right like they can get as much value and so even seeing some of those like light bulb or uh, seeing people come in who are really excited and then seeing them use the tool and then be able to go out and say like these are all the pain points that I've had during my long career yep it's it, it resonates both with the customer and and uh, the employee so yeah and I'm sure it helps with customer acquisition too when a sales For rep sure. is selling something that they're using yeah. you know, on, a, on a daily basis um, so that's that's really cool and how much are you guys collaborating with the marketing team because I find that interesting as well that you know obviously when you're you're uh, recruiting salespeople that are going to be using the tool that you're selling but you're also your marketing team is putting out content they're reaching a broad audience um, of customers or non-customers but people that are in the sales uh, in the orbit of the sales sphere if you will um, that are getting your content like is that a channel you guys tap into for potential candidates yeah for absolutely absolutely we partner um, extremely closely with our marketing team um, and again we're kind of lucky because uh, it doesn't have to be necessarily separate um, employer branding right like our company branding kind of bleeds into our employer branding so we also get to um, make sure that um, we're fully utilizing that. Like we can utilize marketing materials in so many different ways. Um, so yeah, I mean, we've got a great collaboration and it, it certainly um, increases our, our talent pool, um, especially with, you know, some of the new features that like a LinkedIn has come out with, right? Like customers mm -hmm. may come follow because they're now customers and using our tool, but now they can also say, hey, I also want to maybe work there at some point. Um, yep. And so certainly it's it's helpful and I haven't had really that experience at any former companies. So it's been neat to see kind of the partnership and collaboration around how we present ourselves to the market. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about you mentioned the way your hiring is going right now. You're not pressing down for a lot of growth hires. It seems mm -hmm. like more backfills, kind of spot hires as mm -hmm. needed. So since it's maybe not the same as previous years where it's like go 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 we need to hire a gazillion people grow headcount um where are you focusing i don't want to call it that leftover time but the efforts that aren't going towards growth hires where are you putting attention to right now yeah so i think there's a few key areas that we're focused on right now um some are like very natural within the ta space and things that i I think regardless of market, we kind of always are evolving, like a project never ends, like um, evaluating our interview process. Um, are we identifying the right things? Are we clear on what our ideal candidate profile is? Uh, there's a big chance that that profile has shifted just with the market over the last year, right? Um, so spending some time with our stakeholders to really get clear on that. Um, but beyond that, it's how do we enable 
um, the stakeholders and the interviewers in the business. Um, so refreshing interview training. Uh, we are also starting to look at you know, capacity as a whole, as I mentioned earlier, and, and really looking at it from three different ways. It's like, do we have the right people in the right roles? Uh, do our processes enable us to be able to do more with less and sort of work in this, uh, create proactive opportunities in a reactive situation? And then lastly, when do we introduce technology to make us be able to take on more or help us move quicker or slow us down, whatever it might be? Um, and then I think in broader sense, you know, in partnership with our employee experience team or talent management team, we're looking at processes overall and how all of our teams work and support the business. Um, of course, DEI is always top of mind for us. So what is our impact there? We're identifying new partnerships, right? We're, we're uh, the lens of DEI also applies to all the projects that I spoke about earlier. So mm-hmm. we're staying busy and and still, right? Like, uh, I think it's a balance that all of us are trying to figure out. Uh, we have like business critical things that we have to deliver on, which is finding great talent for sales loft and then ensuring that we're carving away and prioritizing time uh, for these things that are going to set us up to be better, you know, six months, 12 months, whenever that kind of faucet turns back on. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, being at eight, nine hundred people anyways, even if you're not pursuing a ton of growth hiring, you're still going to have yeah. a baseline level of consistent hiring. Like you said, you said 12 offers accepted. Yeah. Whatever combination of those roles are, it's still 12 people you had to hire into the business. So there's always, you know, some high level of recruitment activity going on. I'm curious to hear more about, you talk about ideal candidate profile. How do you guys go about defining that? Is it on a per hiring manager basis? Um, you know, talk a little bit about that process. Yeah, I think it's um, it's multi-layered, right? So there's there's the elements that apply to anybody at SalesLoft, which for us are very much rooted in our values. So like the way we do things, it's um, the and other things that apply to everyone is goes back to like, we are a sales platform. And so you've got to be interested in that to to probably be successful, but also feel fulfilled in your role here. Um, And then there are things that are like department wide that we can work with um, senior leadership on to help define like, where are you at today? But where do you want to be six months, 12 months? And what's pressing? How does, you know, how is your current team made up? And then like, how do we either replicate or like evolve what that profile looks like? And then there's very simple things like, um, you know, you have a new leader that comes into the business, a frontline manager, and maybe they've got this new fresh perspective on uh, what sort of talent may perform best here. And so we're also open to that. So I think it's on several different layers. Um, but overall, I think in order to get there, it kind of starts with uh, we wear the role as like advisor or partner here at SalesLoft. Like we're very intentional that we are a support function, but we also want to be a partner to the business. And so I think with any of those layers, it all starts with like, let's just understand what what our overall mission and like goals are as a company. And then how does talent play into that? Yeah. So there's, like you said, multiple layers. Mm-hmm. There's a layer of the price of admission stuff of does this person align with the mission? Are they passionate about joining a company that develops a sales mm-hmm. platform? 
some things, if you don't check those boxes, you're probably not going to fulfill to be fulfilled right. as an employee. So it's not going to make sense. And then you go a layer deeper here with the hiring manager. Maybe you're even within, you know, getting with individual contributors on the team mm -hmm. to talk about, you know, from their perspective, right. what does it take to do well in this role and feel fulfilled and be successful in the company. So sounds like it's a multi-layered process that's also never done. It's never right? done. Like you have to constantly come back to it, which is why you mentioned it's one of the things you're focused on right now. Like maybe growth hiring is slower, so let's focus on redefining, if needed, our ICP. Yep. Um, so the next time we go to market, we have a better view on who we're looking for. Right. Yeah. I mean, to your point, right? I think like sales is a great example of something that's always evolving. Um, if you yeah. look back at like what it took to be successful the last two years, we're in a different market. Like you've got to be totally. maybe slightly different. And so, um, so yeah, it, it, I think it's even as recruiters going out to the business and making sure that it's clear, like, hey, like what worked a year ago may not work today. So like, how are we thinking about even evaluating this, like defining what the new skills that are needed are, but then taking a step further to now say like, how do you evaluate that in an interview? And does our current process still do what we need it to do? Yeah, it's a, it's a great point that you have to evolve with the strategies that are being deployed within the business to find the right people to execute on those strategies, right. I think. Like, as I personally think about, you know, recruiting for sales reps years ago versus today, you know, five, 10 years ago, you might have placed heavy weight on like outbound, high volume, cold calling, like, you know, smile and dial types of experience. Mm -hmm. But now we live in a different world, especially with people being remote, like, at least we found that it's more difficult to get in touch with people over the phone. You have to find more creative ways to reach your target audience mm -hmm. versus just pounding the phones all day long. So that requires a different skill set because now you're talking about a person that might need to be a little bit more creative, um, you know, a problem solver, somebody to really think through their approach um, mm -hmm. as they're trying to reach out to their prospects versus just picking up the phone following what the cadence tells them to do and and that's it um yeah. and that might have worked five years ago but it might not today and so you have to adapt the recruiting strategy accordingly exactly yep so really good point um and then you mentioned uh enabling stakeholders interview training sounds like a lot of things to just level up hiring managers and people within the org can you tell me more about some of the things that you guys are doing yeah. to do that yeah, of course. So currently in, in process, we're sort of doing like a complete over, overhaul of how do we train interviewers? What's the cadence? What's the content? Is this relevant? Um, because I think we found like some interview training uh, through our like audit that was like pre-COVID where people were still coming into the office and like, we don't have anybody. We don't have our on-site is now all virtual. Like, why are we making sure that people understand this when it's just not relevant? And so we're like long overdue uh, for that. But I think the other thing that we're doing around enabling hiring managers, um, and it goes back to the capacity of the team, right? Um, how do we bring them in earlier into the process uh, whether that's helping define the ideal candidate profile, like getting a LinkedIn recruiter up next to them, having them source themselves, having them pull profiles. Um, we're also having them do some of the outreach, right? Like 
we want to make sure that we're standing out. Um, and even though the market is starting to shift, the, like recruiters are still really active and people are still getting a lot of in-mail. So how do we stand out? And, and one way that we found success is maybe the recruiter sends the first message, but a hiring manager is following up or a hiring manager is is personally connecting and, and sharing interest. And we've seen a lot of success in that. And our hiring managers are also, I think, kind of enjoying that part and really feeling like they have um, more of a, a hand in the hiring aspect. Um, so it's helped in that regard, but it also just speeds up the process, right? Like uh, we recently had um, a role in our marketing organization that uh, historically has been a difficult skill set to find and the process is like 45 to 60 days long um, and by enabling our leaders a little bit earlier and uh, pulling them into that we close the role in like less than 30 days so there's some data behind it that we can now go take out to the business and say we get you're busy this is really important um, and this is like the impact that it made for so and so across the business so those are the big things we're doing. We just want to make sure, you know, our hiring managers feel like they are fully supported um, in their hiring and they really understand um, what we're doing and sort of what our goal is, um, which is important as we've grown. Obviously, we've got a lot of a lot of new managers as well. So, yeah, I, I love what you're doing. You know, I've heard a lot recently from talent acquisition leaders that you know, a lot of people are trying to make an effort to involve hiring managers earlier in the process, mainly because they have a huge stake in the success of that process because the exactly. people are going to work on their respective teams. Um, so having better collaboration earlier on results in typically a faster hiring process with a better outcome. But what I haven't heard a lot of people doing, which I think is really unique to you guys, is having hiring managers part of the sourcing process mm -hmm. or engaging with candidates like way up at the top of the funnel and i think that's a really great thing you're doing because candidates are used to recruiters hitting them up everywhere and anywhere all the time uh, about open job mm -hmm. opportunities and so for a hiring manager to reach out one it shows that it's personalized just by the nature of the hiring manager taking mm -hmm. the time because candidates probably have an assumption that recruiters are the same message that they got as a candidate, 25 other people are getting it. So with the hiring manager reaching out, it signals like, hey, this is legit. The person is really interested in me. They took the time to reach out to me. Mm -hmm. Therefore, hopefully, the candidate is more likely to respond and convert and continue down the funnel um, at probably a higher rate than if outreach was just coming from the recruitment team. So I imagine that has an impact on time to hire just by getting better conversion rates at the top of the funnel and more engagement that leads to having more candidates progressing through the funnel. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's a benefit, right, to the fact that we do work for a, a company that that is um, enabling sellers to, to provide a great experience. And so we've got all this research on the back end about outreach and quite frankly, we're learning a lot from some of our sales leaders through the outreach and through like the messaging that we're putting together. And so it's, it ends up being a win-win for everyone. Um, and again, I think it's been a really positive experience on both sides, so. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, and I also think like you bring up a good point because 
Sales Loft has a great brand in the market. So even though you said like some people that you're reaching out to maybe have not heard of Sales Loft mm -hmm. or aren't as familiar, I'm sure a lot of people in the sales community are. So you have that working to your advantage, which then makes the hiring manager outreach even that much more powerful. But I think for a company that like doesn't have that employer brand in the market, that's where they could really take this advice of getting hiring managers involved, to your point, to stand out in a crowded marketplace with a lot of recruiters reaching out, like as a company that doesn't have the backing of a strong brand that people don't know about, any extra step you can go can prove to be really impactful on the outcomes of the hiring process. Yeah. And I think one thing that I didn't mention that I think is interesting about sort of like the origin or how we started to see success with this model early on is that it wasn't actually within the sales org. It was uh, specifically for our development office in Guadalajara, Mexico, right? And so in that market, it was there were a lot of cultural things that we had to adjust within our process. And it was a trial and error situation, right? There's which is. Um, difficult when you already are dealing with a much smaller population of available talent. And so we actually early saw success by utilizing the hiring manager step in Guadalajara and then were able to sort of take those early learnings and, and try and apply them uh, to some of our other hires in the U.S. But so it's interesting, right? It's not even specific to uh, sales or specific to having, you know, a well-known brand because we didn't in Guadalajara, quite frankly, right? Um, and we weren't hiring for salespeople either. So yeah, right. it can work across so many different use cases. And again, it's all about standing out and, you know, getting someone's attention, like in sales, yep. and trying something creative that everyone else isn't doing. Yep, that's great. And along the lines of getting hiring managers involved earlier in the process, I'm a big believer in that, I think all companies should do whatever they can to get hiring managers more involved in the hiring process in general, but the earlier the better, mm -hmm. uh, while balancing, obviously, they have their regular day to days to do. Um, but with that comes more coordination, more alignment needed, and some challenges as well. So what are some of the things that you guys do to stay on the same page with your hiring managers and get them bought in to engage earlier in the process yeah i think it's um we've got really great relationships right and so that relationship or communication cadence or style or medium looks different across the business um but we're always really intentional um in making sure that we are um utilizing the time we have with our managers so that they're just seeing the most value out of it right so um if it's at the kickoff process, again, not only are we talking about this is the outline of the process, this is what we're working off of job description, idle candidate profile, we're getting really specific into like, what is going on with your team today? What are you hoping this hire solves? And then like, what does this look like 12 months from now? And, you know, people like talking about things that they're passionate about and that they know. And so starting to like plant the seeds and build the relationship at the beginning, and maybe even before you have a role, even mm -hmm. um and then typically we're working off of like a weekly cadence with the hiring team or hiring manager that's a check-in of like who's moving through the process hey like we need feedback what are we doing with this candidate um but then most of our teams actually have like slack channels set up too so it's like but again at the beginning of the process you learn really quickly like is this manager going to reply to texts slacks emails 
everything, you know, smoke signals, whatever it might be. Um, and then really making sure that we are, you know, joint expectations. Uh, I think it's another mm -hmm. piece of that, right? Like this is what we're going to do for you, but this is like your ownership in the process and this is what you're accountable for. Um, and making sure that we're following through on both sides. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Give me high level, like what, I know you recruit for a bunch of different positions, but what does the hiring process generally look like from a stage standpoint? Yeah, and I'll, I'll start this by saying that we do not have the shortest process at SalesLoft, um, but we have a very intentional process and we are very transparent about our process on the front end so that there really shouldn't be surprises. Um, so for most of our roles, it's, you know, they're talking to a recruiter, they have an initial screen with the hiring manager and then they're going into sort of like the big chunk of the interview which is for some roles some sort of competency whether it's a um, mock discovery call whether it's a presentation or, or of something of the sorts and then we have a peer interview uh, a core values interview um, a top grade interview, uh, which is essentially a like deep dive going back to er someone early in someone's career and sort of chronologically working their way up. Um, and that's the bulk of our process. In some cases, there may be, you know, a cross-functional, there may be an executive level interview. It's kind of a little bit, uh, we allow for a little bit of flexibility. But again, uh, post-recruiter screen, we're providing a roadmap of the interview to the candidate so that they already mentally know like, okay, I sit here, these are all the steps I have. Um, and I very much believe that uh, the interview process is a, a place for both parties to evaluate. And so we're really intentional with making sure that the candidate knows like you should be interviewing the interviewers just as much as they're interviewing you because ultimately we want this to be the best fit for everyone. And we want this to be the best long-term fit for everyone. So, yeah. Yeah, and so even though there's multiple interview rounds by the nature of them getting to speak to multiple people and you guys encouraging them to interview the interviewers, mm -hmm. they're also getting, while you're getting a deeper perspective on them as a candidate, they're doing the same with you as a business in right. being able to talk to multiple people versus just somebody from your team and the hiring manager and that's kind of it. Yeah, yeah. And I think we see so much value in, um, we hear such great feedback on even some of the steps like the peer interview, right? Not every mm -hmm. company has you interview with someone who's going to be your peer, right? It's an opportunity mm -hmm. to learn more about the manager from someone who works on their team. What is the day-to-day -day actually like? What are the challenges that you have? Whatever it might be. And then on the core value side, um, it's, it's uh, typically ran by two people who would be not on the team that you're on, um, varying tenures, experiences at SalesLoft, and the conversation is solely based around our values. And um, we get a lot of really positive feedback about that step of our process because um, our, our core values are important to us. And so why would we not make that a part, you know, evaluation on both ends again? And how do you structure that interview? What types of questions mm -hmm. are you asking? Yeah, so they're behavioral questions. Um, so we're very, you know, specific with with the the question that we have associated with every value um, and consistent right um, and you know our interviewers on the back end I will say when I went through the process at SalesLoft 
um, as someone who, quite frankly, is like a professional interviewer at this point, um, I was so impressed by the two individuals I met with, like how they interviewed and the style and their follow up question. I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, these people are awesome. And they're it's like a product person. And uh, I think it was like a support person that I was talking to. And um, we're really intentional with the tra it goes back to training enablement like we give candidates as well as interviewers like an overview of the star method of answering to say hey candidate this is what we're looking for and this is how you should structure your answers to get the most out of your time but interviewer this is what we're providing to the candidate so for follow-up questions or like second third questions utilize this model to kind of get to what you're looking for in the answer interesting i like that you're providing guidance to candidates as well before the interview process of what you're looking for mm -hmm. and how they structure their responses and respond yeah. to the questions yeah i'm a, i mean i came up in the agency world so i'm a big proponent of like i want to make sure our candidates have you know everyone equally has the same opportunity to be able to present their best self in an interview which can be a very stressful situation and so very clear that we are advocates for our candidates just as much as we are advocates for our stakeholders and sales loft as a company. Um, but I'm really big on that. And again, I think it it comes from spending so much time in, in the agency world where, you know, my candidates were equally as much my customers as were the companies that I was staffing them for. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's a good point that people that come from that side, you have your clients who you're trying to fill jobs for, but you have your candidates, which are equally your clients mm -hmm. and then when you bring that to an in-house role having that perspective you know makes you treat the candidate experience completely different right uh -huh. um more white glove ensuring that are set up for success um you know goes a long way both for you guys because now that you're preparing somebody also you get to see when they're given what we're you know what we're looking for how prepared do they actually also come mm -hmm. to the interview so there's some intangibles of that as well yeah i mean you can yeah. evaluate that it's like it's coachability right it's the same thing someone comes out of a hiring manager screen and the hiring manager's like their experience is great um however you know they weren't as succinct as we would be looking for they weren't as specific and so as the recruiter going back to the candidate and saying listen, we're really excited about your profile and your background. Um, here's some feedback to take into that competency round. That's also a gauge of like, is this person coachable, right? So it's while also providing a great experience, which is obviously top of mind. So it's a win-win. It's yeah. And I think the other thing when it comes to candidate experience that we really hold true is whether or not someone comes to work at Salesloft or not, whatever their decision, our decision is, like we want people to go out and, the advocates they know they know people that could be a fit they may be related to someone who can be a fit so making sure everyone walks away with the idea that sales loft regardless if it was a good fit for them is a great company and provides a really great experience for candidates yeah that's great yeah i, I like having that mindset um i i think it's it's just also great that you guys are providing that feedback to candidates mm -hmm. in between stages. I think a lot of companies wait to provide feedback until the hiring, pro if they provide feedback at all, uh, until the end of the hiring process, right? Yeah. By providing it in between stages, you give the chance to the candidate for them to be coachable and improve for the next round or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they were just nervous 
And so they didn't communicate in the same way that they would communicate in their day-to-day. And so by giving them certain feedback, those are things they could be conscious of going into the next interview and therefore show, you know, improvement, coachability, um, or this is really how they communicate when they're mindful of it versus like, you know, I've just got interview nerves and it's throwing me off a little bit. Yeah. I think that's also why, you know, as I mentioned earlier, our process is by no means the shortest process out there. Um, but it also provides so many unique perspectives as you're looking at a candidate as a, in a like whole sense. Um, and so, you know, when we're debriefing post an interview process that includes 12 different people in some cases, um, it's also nice to hear different perspectives. And so what we find is, yes, that first hiring manager screen, like it is stressful and like most candidates are a bit nervous, right? But like the peer really gives someone to kind of come out of that and be speaking with people who are at the same level. So the core values, it, you know, we try to combine both like personal and professional experiences, you know, are on the table, however you want to respond. And so you start to see a little bit more of the candidate's natural personality come out as well. Mm-hmm. And I think just because in a hiring process has multiple steps mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that it also has to be slow, right? Exactly. Um, I think those are all often conflated. And I think that by you guys doing certain things, such as getting the hiring manager involved early, mm-hmm. getting better conversion rates and buy-in at the top of the funnel, you have higher quality, more engaged candidates working through your process. And when you're intentional in your process and transparent about what's left in that mm-hmm. process, candidates stay engaged throughout it. And ultimately, by being so intentional, you're balancing really high quality and ensuring when we get to the end of this process, we're not going to have to do it all over again because we've really vetted and we know the person we make an offer to is going to be a great fit for the position. Mm -hmm. Um, But by doing all the other things that you're doing, by getting hiring managers aligned, setting joint expectations on on communication and how quickly they should get back to you and having a Slack channel set up and having them involved in the sourcing, like you're finding efficiencies along the way. So even though you have all these steps, you find efficiencies along the way mm-hmm. um, in the way that you work with your team. And so in the end, like it might feel like a lot of steps to you, but it might not be that long sure. of a process from a timeline standpoint. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I think also we're intentional about, uh, again, uh, constantly evaluating our process to make sure that it still makes sense. And is there a bottleneck? Is there something that's causing this process to slow down? Because, you know, we're looking at data not only around like time to fill from a open to close standpoint, but like how long does it take a candidate to progress? And so there have been instances where we're like, hey, the offline that we have for this role is slowing down the process significantly. How do we rework this? Is there a live option? Is there something else? And so. I think it's a balance, and I agree. It's about you can't look at one part and determine the efficiencies. You truly have to look across everything, and maybe you can't get time here, but you can pick up time somewhere else throughout the process. Yeah, and I think the constant evaluation is key. Like, there's no point in having additional steps for the purposes of just, exactly. you know, activity and having another step. Um, if you're intentional about it and you ensure that every step in your process is deemed necessary in order to have the best outcome, you know, that's ultimately what you want. And then from a, you know, time to fill, time to hire standpoint, 
it, it doesn't matter if you have to run the process again in six months right. because you didn't end up with the, the candidate that you need for the business. So in essence, you just double your time to hire it because you have to do it again. Um, and you have a whole lot of lost productivity. So I think you guys are going about things in a really awesome way. Um, I've always loved observing sales loft from afar. I think you guys are a great company. So it's been really nice to hear um, how all the magic happens, um, you know, and, and from somebody that's leading the charge on building the team, you know, for a company that's now eight, nine hundred people, um, you know, from when I first heard about you guys and you were probably like 50. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's been a really cool story to follow. And I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks.